question for you that I know the answer to as soon as I ask it, but it's something for us to get our heads around, to be thinking about as we go into two pictures we're going to paint here at the beginning of this series. We're going to talk about two different sort of pictures and experiences and feelings. And the first is this. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? The answer to that for you, of course, is I'm a human being. Yes, I have felt like I don't belong. In fact, right this very moment, I'm feeling like I don't belong. In fact, just before, earlier, when I was talking with somebody, I felt like I, you mean, it's a part of the human experience to feel a little bit like a fish out of water, square peg in a round hole, or as my freshman high school shop teacher said, a lost ball in high weeds. It's common for us to feel this experience of not belonging, not fitting. Now, maybe you've walked into a situation like this. I know I have a number of times. A situation where uh, maybe it's a social gathering or a party or something like that. You walk in and it seems like everybody else knows each other, but you walk in and you instantly recognize, I don't know anybody. I'm on the outside. They're the cool people. I am uncool. They all have, you know, I, I, I don't know. Hawaiian shirts or crazy hats on and they're all eating chips and dip and you're sitting there going I didn't get the memo about the crazy hats or to bring chips so you are instantly when you walk in the door the no hat no chips guy you ever felt something like that before I know you have because you're human being and if you haven't and you're sitting here going I've never felt out of place or like I don't belong. I've always felt a very strong sense of who I am and my purpose. Well, then you're the weirdo because every bit of the rest of us have felt like we haven't belonged. So maybe you should just go ahead and step up. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's, It's this experience of being in a social setting where you feel like, you know, the no hat, no chips guy. So we've all felt that and all experienced it. Let me tell you about a time when I did, uh, in sort of a funny way, um, in my illustrious uh, athletic career, my illustrious amateur athletics career, I've had a couple experiences where I got to play with professional athletes, professional basketball players, professional soccer players. We're talking world-class, world-class athletes that get paid like some of the millions of dollars to be absolutely amazing. So I'm stepping on the court, and it takes me literally... 10 seconds to realize, oh, I don't belong here. It took me uh, 10 seconds to know these, these athletes are simply amazing, and in comparison to them, I don't fit. I'm the square peg in a round hole. I'm on the wrong field. I instantly kind of felt like um, I, I want to go home, call my mom, not be here. I don't deserve to be on the same field with you. I shouldn't even be on the same court with you can we change the game to like i don't know scrabble or a, a word game or bible trivia or something like that so so maybe you've experienced that kind of feeling of not belonging we all have and it's it's not just parties it's not just show, social gatherings uh, like we've talked about or maybe on a sports team like that it's this experience of feeling like you don't belong in a whole host of contexts maybe you've been in a job that didn't fit you and you felt like you couldn't relax and be yourself. Uh, Maybe you've walked into like the school cafeteria at mealtime and you didn't recognize anybody. 
Maybe you've gone off to camp for a week and you didn't know a soul. Uh, Maybe you've been new in town and you didn't know anyone anywhere you went. I've felt that way. You have felt that way. It's kind of a universal human experience. But here's the thing. I think back on times in my life like that. Take, for example, me being on the same court with NBA basketball players. I had a very clear sense I didn't belong there. And I was okay with that because I didn't actually belong there. There's a reason they get paid millions of dollars. because they're amazing. And I am not. Therefore, I didn't belong. Here's the thing. It's one thing to feel. It's one thing to feel like that because you know, I don't actually belong here and that's okay. It's a totally different kind of experience. When you feel like you don't belong in a situation or in a circumstance where you know you're supposed to belong. What if you feel like you don't belong with people you call your own friends? What if you feel like you don't belong with people in a context like a church family? Uh, What if you don't belong and feel like you don't belong with your own family? What is it like to feel like you just don't belong anywhere? Because it's one thing to feel the temporary isolation of, you know, cafeteria, lunchroom, or a dinner party. But it's entirely different and more fundamental and more difficult and painful experience to feel like you don't belong much of anywhere. It's a consistent feeling of who am I? Why am I here? Does anyone notice me? Does anyone care for me? And friends, those kinds of feelings and questions are translated in the heart as Does anybody love me? This is the first picture we're painting. Because this is the feeling of what it's like to be an orphan. To feel like an orphan is to feel like you don't belong anywhere. It's to feel abandoned, homeless, nameless, purposeless, Helpless, at times hopeless. This is what it feels like. This is what it feels like to be an orphan. And this is what it feels like to not know God, as we talked about last week, as your true father. Now let's paint a different picture. Let's paint a picture of what it's like to be adopted. A little more than... Twelve years ago, my wife and I, and then eventually our whole family, uh, began to have this sense that God has put in us this desire uh, for our family, for our marriage, for our home, uh, to be in some form or fashion, even if in a small way, uh, a sort of a a shelter for neglected uh, or uh, broken children. And uh, so we had been praying for years that God would give us uh, a child to adopt, And after eventually giving up on traditional means for which we way did not have money, we decided to go ahead and risk 
uh, becoming a foster care home, uh, a foster care home, in order to see what God might do. We didn't know if that would mean, you know, becoming a foster care home where we receive children only to give them back after a time, or if it might mean being sent a child uh, that might become part of our family. We didn't know what what the circumstances were, but we trusted that God gave us this desire for a reason, so we continued to to venture onward. Well, we went through the process, we became approved, and right away we started receiving calls uh, from the Department of Children's Services. And we had said two things. We can only take one child. probably has to be a pretty young child. We had a pretty limited sort of uh, margin for us in our family um, to do to do more than that or older children. Um, God bless those who do because there's a huge need for it. We kept getting these phone calls for sibling groups of two, sibling groups of three, sibling groups of four, sibling groups of four, five, six, all of these kids who were older who needed to be taken care of. And uh, so call after call, I kept saying, I'm sorry, we've sort of decided we can only take one and it has to be a young child. Um, it was a pretty eye-opening experience to see how how big the needs are, uh, even in our own county. So we decided we wanted to help, but uh, for us the margin to do so was pretty narrow. So we were taking a step of faith that meant that God would have to answer the questions we were asking. So long story short, a little over two and a half years ago, uh, we got the phone call that would, would forever change our lives. We were in bed at almost midnight on a Friday. And so I'm on the phone, and I'm repeating the, the words to my wife, uh, would we meet them at the hospital for a one-week-old baby? My wife instantly perked up. We received all these other phone calls about sibling groups of two, three, four-plus kids, older kids. This is the very first phone call where it was a young, uh, a young child, a, a baby, and just one. And instantly my wife perked up and said, tell them yes. We'll be there right away. I mean, it was like Mama Bear had heard her cub call from afar and put on the super mom cape, and we were ready to like be there instantly. So we, we go there. Here, here's, here's what we've learned in this process, looking back through this process, knowing what we know now and, and seeing how God worked out all the circumstances. What we eventually learned, had a sense about the whole way. What we eventually learned is that Our daughter, our now daughter, belonged with us. This is Emery with her pancakes. Um, Just a few weeks ago, uh, two and a half uh, years old with her pig pancakes there. Um, Not one time before we received that phone call did we have a clear sense that the situation was right for us. But what we know now is that this girl belonged with us. In fact, think about this. Throughout this entire process, we knew in our hearts that God had given us uh, this desire, this love for a child. All we knew was that there was some child somewhere. We didn't know her name yet. We just knew we had this desire that God had given us. What I'm saying is this it didn't take months, it didn't take weeks didn't take days. It didn't even take actually meeting her at the hospital to know that we loved her as our own no matter what. 
long before we even met her. That is what it is like to be an adopted child of God. You belong because your true father from eternity past had you in mind as your own and chose you to extend his love and grace and mercy to you. That's what it's like to know God as a true father. We didn't have to meet her. When we met her, it confirmed what we already knew in our hearts. We loved. We loved somebody. We just didn't know her name yet. Here's the bottom line truth for today. The first couple blanks in your outline. If you were adopted, you belong. If you are adopted, you belong. And we're going to look at this truth in two different ways today. We're going to spend most of our time here on this first part. We'll just kind of allude to the second one. You can study some more later on. The first part is, the first part of this, if you're adopted, you belong thing, is that you belong because, and we'll state some reasons why, and we'll get all this from Deuteronomy 7, you belong because, and the second part of it is, because you belong. What does it mean to have the benefits of being an adopted child of God? Turn to Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 9, if you're not there yet. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 9. We're going to grab most of our content here. We'll read the whole passage together and then go back in and, uh, and look at some details in it. This is all under the heading of you belong because. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 9. says this, For you are a people, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. Verse 8, But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you up with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Now before we jump back into the text in specific, let's note some brief context about Deuteronomy here. Deuteronomy is basically uh, three megalong speeches by Moses to the people of God before he handed over his leadership to Joshua, who would follow him soon. He was about to hand his reins of leadership over to Joshua, who would take it on from there. Now, this was an important transition for the people of God here. Through Moses, God had brought the people out of slavery, out of Egypt, and had promised them a land of peace and safety to come. It's the the promised land. But they weren't home yet. They weren't there yet. Joshua would lead them, and under God's guidance, he would lead them into this place of peace and rest. But here's the thing. As they went into this new land, they had to keep in mind, they had to remember where they'd come from, who got them there, who they, whose they were, 
Who was the power behind getting them to where they were? It was sort of like Moses was saying here before they go into the promised land. As you go into this new land, don't forget whose people you are. It's like he's saying, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who brought you here. You're going to have to you know, sort of keep it real. Jump back in at verse 6 where we pick up this speech of Moses to the people of God in Deuteronomy. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. He says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession. He's reminding them that God is the real power behind their newfound freedom. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget whose people you are. And then he says, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. That's the first blank for us here. The first blank is that you belong because, number one, you are chosen. Uh, you are chosen. So the first reason you belong is because God the Father, your true Father, the real power behind your existence, your very breath, as we talked about last week, God the Father, that God who is Creator, chose you. It's right there in the text in verse 6. God has chosen you to be His people, to be His treasured possession. In other words, you are His. Now this is a a reminder for us of a foundational Christian belief. This is a fundamental doctrine right here, that we are chosen. Which is to say that regardless of the circumstances, no matter how sinful, no matter how rebellious, no matter your past, no matter where you came from, no matter what you did, no matter, no matter, no matter of all of that, God is a perfect, loving, infinite, holy God whose love constantly abounds for those He wants to pour His love onto. And the people who are acknowledging that love are those who have been chosen. That's what the Scripture says means here. God chooses to extend His grace and His mercy and His favor on the people of God. Does it require your acceptance and faith and trust? Absolutely, of course. That comes in the person of Jesus. But here, the text is emphasizing that God has decided before you, before I, before the people of Israel had anything to do with it, God decided to pour out His grace and His mercy and His favor on you. Not because you're good enough, not because you're smart enough, not because you're nice enough, not because you're anything enough, but because God is a good God whose character is to continue giving His goodness away. Remember Abraham last week in Genesis 12. In the second verse in Genesis 12, it says, I will make of you a great nation. That's right on the heels of, of him calling Abraham to, to leave his country, leave his father, leave his kindred, leave his purpose, leave his previous job and go to this new job. And he says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, which is to say that the, the blessing was not manufactured by Abraham. It was given by God. Think about this. In John 15, 16. There's a cool passage in John 15, 16. Uh, this is out of the context of lots of things going on, but Jesus is giving marching orders to his disciples. And he said, 
In 1516, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, when he said this, he knows full well. He's repeating this idea that we're seeing here in Deuteronomy. Jesus knows his history and he knows his scriptures. And so that's perhaps in the back of his mind, perhaps even our passage in Deuteronomy 7 and other places too. But get this. When he said this to the disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He was going against the convention of how disciples typically chose their rabbis. You see, a rabbi was a teacher, a disciple was a follower. And at that time, a disciple would make the decision, knowing who the rabbis were and knowing that there's this school of thinking and this school of thinking and this school of thinking, the disciples would go and choose that rabbi. And Jesus comes along and he says, I chose you first. I make available to you what you can acknowledge in faith. So when you follow me, it's only because I chose you first, which is to say, like we're reading here in Deuteronomy, to accept Jesus, to accept God as Father is to say, I acknowledge that you are a perfect, good God who loves to give, who is a constantly outpouring of grace kind of God. So we belong because He chooses to extend His grace and mercy and favor on us. Not because you're anything enough. Not because we are anything enough, but because He alone is everything enough. So why did He do this? Second thing that tells us why we belong here. Pick it up in Deuteronomy 6, 7. Why did he do this? Because, verse 7, it was not because you were more in number, it was not because you were more in number than any other people, but the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but, verse 8, it is because the Lord loves you. Again, Moses is reminding the people, it was not because you were more in number than any other people. It's not because there was anything good enough about you or particularly uh, something about the people of Israel at the time that God said, oh, that's why I'm going to choose them over against somewhere else or someone else. We need to always remember, friends, it's not like there are these eternal scales of goodness or badness that God is hiding from us and someday he's going to go, ah, see? But a lot of us still work that way, don't we? A lot of us still work as if there are these eternal scales of, of goodness and badness that God has, that he's hiding behind his back. And someday when, when the truth actually comes out, we all say, see, I knew it. When we think that way, when we operate that way, it's not because Scripture talks that way. It's because we struggle with the truth that God just loves to give of Himself. We think this way because we can't imagine a God. We think this way because we can't imagine a God who would love us despite our sin and our rebellion. That's why we think there's this 
God somewhere with these eternal scales of goodness and badness is going to finally come out and say, see, I told you. So we hold on to that self-righteous pattern of thinking. But look at the text. It's so cool. It's so awesome. Look at the text here. We belong not because, verse 7, not because you were more in number than any other people. He could have said lots of other things like not because you were anything. I mean, there are lots of things he could have said, but he said not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all peoples. But, verse 8, he chose you because the Lord loves you. That's the second reason we belong. That's the second blank in our outline there. You belong because he chose you, number one. Number two, you are loved. We're just taking it straight from the text here. You belong because the Lord loves you. Jump to Ephesians, uh, the first chapter, if you would with me. There's another way that it's said here in the text in Ephesians 1, 3 to 6 about this God's love for us thing. This is pretty cool here. You can follow it on the screen as we work through it. It says this in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now press pause real quick. This is a prayer of praise that is full of great doctrine and Christian truth that helps us understand our adoption. Helps us understand our adoption. Paul starts off here in verse 3 by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In other words, to know God as Father is to have full access to all of the benefit, all of the spiritual benefit of His perfection. To know God as Father is to, in Christ, have the benefit, the access to all of the benefit of His spiritual perfection. Which is to say, to know God as our true Father is to have access to heaven, to eternity, to a forever relationship with God. So, keep reading verse 4, which sounds a lot like our Deuteronomy 7 passage with a little bit of, hey, God thought about you from eternity past thrown in. God the Father has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, verse 4, even as he chose us in him, there's the God choosing us thing again, chose us in the person of Jesus before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. And then here it is. In love he did this. At the end of verse 4 there. In love he predestined. There's that choice thing again. He predestined us, look here, for adoption. Paul is the only one in Scripture who uses this word adoption this way. In fact, most think that he sort of used that word from the common culture and, and, and adopted <laughs> it for use of saying, this is what it's like to know God as Father. This is what it's like to become a part of uh, the family of God. It's used one other time in Acts by Luke to talk about Moses being adopted. But it's only used five times by Paul in his writings. And he says here that it is in love he chose us for adoption as sons, also as daughters, uh, Jesus adds the as daughters part as well in uh, Matthew 12, 48 to 50. If you look that up, Paul also talks about that in 2 Corinthians 6, 18. So we're not leaving women out of the picture here. It's just the idea that we are children of God. And we are children of God, keep reading in Ephesians 1, 5 there, through Jesus Christ in the person of Jesus. So all of this what 
Paul calls spiritual blessing. All of the riches of, of who God is given to us through Jesus is made available to us. It just says, in love, because He loves us. So you belong. You belong because He chose to pour out His grace and favor on you and because He loves you. The third part of why we belong as adopted sons and daughters is because God is faithful. Jump back to Deuteronomy 7 there. This is the third reason we belong. The next blank there, God is faithful. Keep reading in Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 and 8. It says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you, and here's the faithfulness part, and is keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God is faithful to keep His promise. He is faithful to continue working in you. He is faithful as the Father who loves you best, who chose to extend grace and mercy to you. He is faithful to give you what He promised in those spiritual blessings. Listen to the, to the reassurance of verse 9. This is a cool verse. This sort of wraps it up. Listen to this reassurance. It says, Know therefore. In other words, because God loves you, because He chose you, because He's faithful, know Wrap your mind around that truth. Shape your thinking about who you are and why you exist off that truth. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant, who keeps His promise, in steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Friend, you belong because you're chosen, you're loved, and God is faithful. That's plenty of reason to trust. We could talk about the consequences of knowing God as Father for a long, long time. And we've just talked about why we belong. Now we're going to talk just briefly. You can fill in these lines uh, as we go along. Now we're going to talk about the because you belong part of it. There are three parts to this. Uh, you could fill these in as we go. There are passages for you to look up later on. Uh, because you belong, number one, you are an heir to an incalculable inheritance. You are an heir to an incalculable inheritance. Second reason, because you belong, you are protected and provided for. You are protected and provided for. Matthew 6 is a cool passage there. Uh, Jesus teaching and he, he says, listen, I created everything. I created everything. You will be provided for. I provide for the flowers. Aren't you of more worth than they? Because you're a part of the family of God, you're protected and provided for. Third reason, because you belong, the third benefit of belonging, of being adopted as a part of the family of God, is you have a new family and a name. A new family and a new name. Those are talked about there in Matthew, John, 2 Corinthians. There's plenty of fodder for you there for your own study and for life group leaders. Let me close by wrapping it up with a moment about a year ago um, where we stood in the courts, uh, the courthouse in the judge's chamber and uh, our now daughter, Emery, became officially uh, a Wakefield. In other words, the court finally caught up to what God had been doing all along. 
This is what one of the final statements said uh, in the room there. They were reading this to us. It is therefore ordered, adjudged, and decreed that, look at our B in the highlight there, that the relationship of parent and child is hereby established with all rights and privileges incident thereto, including the rights of inheritance. In other words, this, this was establishing where she belonged. Petitioner shall have the exclusive care, custody, and control of said child, free from the claims or hindrances of all others. And the petitioner shall be held responsible for the child's maintenance, care, education, and support. The name of the female child is hereby changed to Emory Noel Wakefield, and a new birth certificate shall be issued uh, in such name. This is a picture of what happens when we are adopted by God. We have a new name, a new family, a new inheritance. We have in this new name and family and relationship with our true Father, we have what we would not otherwise have. Friends, when God is your Father, and you know you are His adopted child, all of your previous circumstances no longer define you. That's what it's like to be an adopted child of God. When God is your true Father, and you know you are His adopted child, all of your previous circumstances no longer define you. We need this truth. We all need to say daily to ourselves some version of because I am an adopted child of God, my previous circumstances don't define me. Because I am an adopted child of God, my previous circumstances don't define me. When you get enough adopted children of God together who understand who they are, who they really are under their true father. You get a whole bunch of people. You get a whole bunch of people who are in actual orphan care. It's, it's a common thing in foster care and orphan care circles to say not everybody is called to adopt, which is true at the like, family level. I'm not going to say, hey, why aren't you adopting children? I am going to say, though, in the sense that we're talking about here, We're all called to adopt children. On this deeper level of the family of God, where He is true Father, all who call God Father are called to adopt. Blessed to be a blessing. Adopted to adopt. In other words, if you understand what you really have, and being adopted by God as your true Father, then you know that the privilege is not yours to squander. It's an inheritance given to you because the ever-faithful God chose to extend His love and grace and mercy to you. And you accept that gift accordingly as something you would not otherwise know. So the family of God, the real family of God, is a place where we always are taking in orphans. 
Hosea 14.3 says, In you, in God, the orphan finds mercy. Let me ask you this. Does the orphan find mercy in you? Do those who don't know God as Father find the mercy of God in you in a way that points them to their real Father? Let me ask you this, church. Are we becoming a place where orphans can belong? Can someone walk into this place and know they belong here? Can people come into contact with this people and go away knowing that they have a Father who chose them, who loved them, and will be faithful to them? Then we'll know if this is the family of God. Let's pray together. We pray that you would continue to open our eyes, that you would shape our minds, that you would form our hearts so that we would know what you've given us. Forgive us, Lord, for perverting our lives around the lie that we are self-made that we got here because of our own work. We just ask simply, Lord, that you would show us the truth, that you are the true Father, and that you have made available to us a forever relationship in the person of your Son, Jesus, who died to give us an inheritance we couldn't earn. Lord, that's amazing. That's great news. That you sent Jesus who lived a perfect life, a sinless life, who was holy. And in the flesh, lived for us a life we couldn't. And so that what we deserved didn't come to us. Lord, that's, that's what you do for us as Father. You make a way for us through your own sacrifice to have relationship. And we love you for that. We praise you for that. And we ask that you continue to help us live lives based on that gospel, the good news of that truth. And make of us a people who so love you for that that we would uh, that we would seek to bring the abandoned and lost and helpless and nameless into your family teach us to do this lord in the name of your son christ jesus we pray amen